Have you ever been called a band geek, a theater nerd, cyber dork, studio rat, gamer punk, orchestra dork, book monkey, drama jock, poindexter, artsy fartsy, or just plain weird? Well then, welcome to Art Nerds. This is the podcast where we sit down with our nerdy friends, embrace our inner geek, and celebrate our art. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Art Nerds. My name is Michael Bryan, and this is where we talk to our nerdy friends about their artwork. Today, uh, on the other side of the country with me today, is an old friend of mine from college, and this is the one and only Mr. Robert Poe. How are you, Rob? I'm great. Nice to see you, Mike. Or, <laughs> you well, too. Well, hear you, especially. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Rob and I met in college back in the late 80s. Is that right? Yep, that would be correct. And um, that way, uh, and we've we've kind of lost touch, but we finally got back into touch. But anyway, Rob is here with us to brag about his art. Rob, what is your art? <laughs> now we get down to it. Um well, I, I, I guess the easiest way to say it is I, I, I've been doing a web series now for a, a, more than a decade called Space Hospital. Um, and I, I would say that my art is digital in nature. Um, uh, you know, I was always interested in animation as a kid and, um, and drawing and, and just very, a lot of different kinds of art. But of course, like a lot of kids, I watched too much television. <laughs> I loved films and, um, and, you know, I studied theater, um, around, right around the same time that you did. You, you left before I did at Eastern Illinois University mm -hmm. and, um, and studying acting at that point and studying theater was, um, for me, it was hopefully a way to get into acting. And then from there, I always had the plan of, um, of directing and, and writing and, and doing other, you know, more things because I just always loved that medium. So, um, my web series is, um, it's kind of a combination of just all the different things I like to do. It has puppets and it has animation and it has live action and sets and costumes and masks and, um, corny sci-fi themes. And it's brilliant. I got oh. to watch it. And <laughs> well, I mean you. that. Thank you very much. Genuinely. I mean, this is, okay, first of all, I'll tell you, um, having come from Eastern and those guys who love uh, Mamet and Tennessee Williams and the realistic stuff, I, I don't like realism. So uh -huh. watching your web right. series was just joy. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's not realistic. It's very much a sort of a, um, holding up, um, a mirror maybe to, uh, to television and to media in general. And, yeah. Uh, a little bit of pop culture in there as lots, well. Yeah. I think a lot of pop culture sort of references, not always direct references, but sort of broad references. Yeah. No, cause I, I watched a few episodes and, um, it is just, it is this wonderful amalgam of uh first of all my mom was a soap opera fanatic back in the 70s so it feels like a soap opera it it feels like kitsch yeah yeah <laughs> and it's 70s sci-fi oh man it's just brilliant it's just clever as hell oh well thank you very much um yeah, yeah I, I love kitsch and um and I knew, uh, you know, I, I created the show with a friend of mine uh, that I met in Chicago, um, Sigurd Uland, and we met at Second City uh, when we were both at the conservatory there uh, studying improv. And we just had very similar sense of humor and also similar interests in that kind of kitschy, uh, especially sort of late 60s, early 70s kind of um, uh, uh, st stuff, uh, television, you know, especially TV, which is on some level just so corny and so surreal, but everyone's taking it so seriously, you know. I mean, that's the era, era we kind of grew up in, our formative years yes, of absolutely, yeah, Batman and Scooby Doo and yeah, yeah, these I think kind of weird influences. There was a time during the '60s where. Um, it was decided that the kids had control of the remote for whatever reason. And <laughs> so um, in the, in the fifties, it was sort of assumed that, um, that 
father was deciding what the family was going to watch together. And so everything was like father knows best. And, you know, it was all sort of male centric and head of the household. Right. Based. My three sons kind of stuff. Right. And then when you got into 70s or uh, sorry, I'm the late 60s, especially, you started seeing that sort of Gilligan's Island and Green Acres and these very surreal kinds of um, uh departures, I think, from what people had really known to be a television show up to that point. And, you know, and then, yeah, and, and soap operas that just went on and on, you know, forever, right. every day. And um, I mean, I hated them as a kid, but I got to understand that language, I think, <laughs> fairly well. Um, yeah, that's an interesting observation. Uh, and I'm not a television historian by any stretch, but that notion of Who's got control of the TV? How that shifts so radically? Maybe yeah, it, radically, I don't know is the right word, but well, it's. I mean, it's amazing that shows like um, like Green Acres or Gilligan's Island or Beverly Hillbillies, um, they had so much staying power. I mean, in in reruns, they've just they've lasted for decades right. now, and there's something about hitting a certain. Uh, nerve, which was not entirely realistic, you know. You could just call them a sitcom, but they were there was so much more than that because they were usually they came from an and outlandish sort of uh, premise. Mm -hmm. And um, right, 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 right. Especially like Green Acres, you know, it's the fish out of water thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very simple premise, and and there had been a couple of shows before um, Green Acres and Beverly Hillbillies that had a very similar theme to them, but they just weren't nearly as, they were a little bit more dramatic and a little bit more taking a little bit more seriously. And yeah, with, um, with Beverly Hillbillies suddenly, <laughs> you know, or, or, and, or Gilligan's Island. I mean, Gilligan's Island is such a classic, um, example. And I, I, I think, you know, you'd have to admit that it influenced modern, Day show, well, not modern anymore, but recent, more recent shows like Lost, or even the, oh, um, yeah, or even the reality show uh, Survivor, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was a, a, a oh late nineties a show on Nickelodeon for teens called uh, Flight Fifty One Down, and it was the oh, same thing. Wow, just a I, bunch I of. I didn't see that, but that sounds interesting. It yeah. was like a 15, 20 episode serial, but it's, it's the same premise. It's a bunch of teenagers on a plane, got caught in a uh, lightning right. storm, and they're on an island all by themselves trying to figure it out. Right. It was much more drama driven. Sure. They're, you know, it was teen oh, angst well, on an island. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, and there's something about that, the influence of um, the, of uh, the, the reality shows on, you know, the soap opera format too, that's, that has changed that a little bit. I think that people do take a lot of that more seriously than they used to. Um, but which is funny yeah. or, you know, like the real world, you know, when, when um, I, I think the thing for me too, was just, I really didn't like, um, I didn't like reality shows when that became the big thing. Right. And it was really um, peaking and it was all over the place. And, um, as a as a writer or just a creator, just as an artist, what I really wanted to see was more the kind of stuff that was on when I was a kid. You know, I wanted that kind of surrealistic, just funny art for art's sake kind of show. Right. And because um, that was that's when I started was like 2007. So uh, or was that it? 2009? Maybe I, I think possibly 2007. I'd have to look it up. But um and there, there wasn't any sci-fi on either, you know. Um, I think the one show that everybody loves, um, uh, Firefly, was on around oh, that sure. era. Um, and then I would guess Star Trek Next Generation was about that time too. It was um, – well, it, it was in reruns by then. And oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think even Voyager maybe was done by then, or it was possible it was still on. But I just felt like sci science fiction had really lost its its fun, too, because, you know, I, I love the original series and just how surreal that was. I feel like right. the original series has so much more to do with uh, Twilight Zone 
than it did <laughs> with any sort of like modern um, sci-fi that you could compare it to. It really, um, you know, they took some pretty wacky premises and, you know, and did that kind of what if and it just went down that road, you know. So uh, Sig and I both kind of, we wanted to do that sort of a thing. Okay. Like I said, it was about 2007. I was looking at possibly going to film school and film school, very, very expensive, especially out here in Los Angeles. I had done a little bit of film school in Chicago, but like on old Bolex cameras, like, you know, silent. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> you know, black and white. Um, but, you know, actually shot film and, um, you know, and oh. edited together, you know, with tape. And I would say pre-digital stuff. Yeah, yeah, pre-digital. And what was going on at that time was that digital was really, really just ramping up and it was becoming uh, cheaper and it was becoming easier to do yourself. Mm -hmm. There were, you know, um, I started out editing. Well, we started out editing, I think, in Premiere Pro. But I also would just use, um, you know, the iMovie uh, program that came with my oh, with, iMac, with, yeah. with my iMac, you know. And there are quite a few episodes, those early couple of seasons. That's that's what I edited the whole episode on, just on my iMac, you know, just using <laughs> using the program that came with it and really just pushing it to the limits of what it could do, you know, to where it would, it would start crashing or slowing down or I'd start having problems and I'd, you know. Right. And I have to go like, okay, that's it. I'm done editing. And, you know, I mean, it's lucky that they were only um, like 10, around 10 minutes, you know, some of them right. were seven, some of them were 12, but they always kind of stayed in that, that um, time frame. But, um, but yeah, that was, I mean, that was the thing I, I wanted to go to film school. I couldn't afford it. And then I said to myself, I really don't want to go to film school. What I want to do is make a film. I want to make movies. And, uh, that's when my writing partner Sig said, "Well, um, what everyone does now is they make uh, they make web series, and that really was true back then. There, so many people had web series, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it was such a common thing, and it was still sort of the wild, wild west on the internet." Um, now, was this like late nineties? Oh no, 2000s? no, oh yeah, no, yeah. This is the two thousands. So, okay, yeah, because. Um, yeah, YouTube was still a fairly new thing in the early I was gonna 2000s. Say, I wasn't, yeah, I was going to say, I wasn't even culturally aware of YouTube until 04, 05-ish. Somebody told me that it was actually the Janet Jackson um, halftime show where she did that very famous um, breast reveal. Oh, the, the wardrobe malfunction. The, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. And um, that that was what really catapulted YouTube because people were saying, you know, all the people who'd missed it were like, Oh my God, I want to see this. You can't see it on the news. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's on YouTube. And it was, you know, and multiple people had put it up on YouTube. And so like, everyone was rushing to, to, to see, see it. Bared soul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to see this yeah what what really was mostly like kind of a, a very ornate big piece of uh nipple jewelry if i remember correctly <laughs> but you know at the time it was very lascivious and uh <laughs> i'm gonna say that's kind of ironic i don't know if it's ironic or just a commentary on american culture is that youtube yeah. was shot into stardom because of <laughs> well, <and laughs> a bare it, breast it, it explains so much though right i mean it, it's still kind of it's still kind of like that and it was never the perfect place even to be releasing um a web series but uh it you know it was there and it, it's an easy way to get people to see the show i don't have to send them a tape i don't have to um right you know it, and uh, and the, uh, the other thing is that it's all there for posterity. It has dates. It has, um, you know, it, there's an archive that I can go to and I can look at. And um, right, it's never lost. Yeah, I can find out. Yeah, when sometimes after I've done a season, I have to go back to IMDb and enter some of the the um, the credits and the actors and you know the, because. Generally, for a show that's as under the radar as ours, nobody else is going to do that for you. You sit down and you, right. you do that yourself. So I can go back to YouTube and I can find the date that it aired and 
refresh my memory of who was in it and, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, it's, it's really handy in that regard. And that's really what helped the show take off. Then I just, you know, it was the right era for it. And going into it, I knew very, very little about, um, editing video or right. I didn't know anything about uh, after effects, you know, it has a lot of, uh, very it's production. I mean, it's for a homemade thing. It's production heavy. Yes. It feels like, I mean, yeah, it's, um, and that was a big part of the fun of it. And like I said, you know, I started off really kind of interested in animation and interested in visual effects. And so I wanted to kind of put a lot of that in if I could. And it, it was, you know, it was a film school for me in a sense. And I, I did, I learned how green screen effects work, what makes a good effect work, what can really screw up your green screen if you're not paying attention, you know, <laughs> how to, how to get good, you know, uh, just how to get good results. And mm -hmm. so even as I was producing these episodes, I was also learning from it. And that was always kind of the idea. And I cast it with just friends, mostly from, uh, my acting class at the time. And, uh, I was taking this Meisner class with a friend of mine who's, uh, he's, he's no longer in town, but he teaches Meisner now in Atlanta. Rob Mello is his name. And I just, there were so many great people in this class and, um, I pretty much just cast it out of like the people that we knew. And, uh, and, and I, so it was an opportunity for them as well to to get ex not just experience, but to practice their craft. Sure, 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 sure. Now, uh, have you always wanted to get into film? I mean, because we met in a little bitty theater, yeah, right. uh, a, a little bitty state college theater program. But it's, well, it's I, always been film for you, or I, I think it always has been. Yeah, I. Um, and I, I do miss theater. <clears throat> I've, I've always enjoyed doing theater and I miss it um, now that I don't get to do it much anymore. But uh, I think Star Wars was probably like it was for a lot of people. It was this kind of, um, you know, in the mid 70s, things were very uh, film, especially was um it was, it was not terribly uplifting. It, you know, it was, it was the era of the, uh, of the open ending, you know, right. where you didn't even have to end a film on a, on a high note necessarily. You could just sort of like start pulling the camera back and fade off into the credits. And, you know, and so I, I don't want to say that it was all dismal. There were a lot of wonderful films made back then, but it was, you know, that realism that you're talking about that mammoth style, realism of the grittiness of real life mm -hmm. was was very pervasive and then so when star wars came out and i mean i was 10 11 you know when it came out it was just such um uh it was such a game changer it just blew me away um right and made me start thinking of uh film and television in a whole different way and so yeah from that point forward i knew that i you know, I always think I knew I wanted to be an entertainer because I had uh, a ventriloquist puppet <laughs> prior you to too? that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always loved puppets. Um, I've always loved, I had, you know, a magic set. I've always liked that kind of realm of uh, creating, um, you know, creating illusion in a sense. Because right. that's what puppets are as well, you know. It's, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, it's pro projecting. That um, illusion and projecting the, that personality onto something else, and yeah, and uh, like like a simple kind of animation in a way, even like yeah, a live, I, I, live animation. Yeah, it always it always feels to me as it's um, they're like animation and puppetry. They're always underutilized tools of communicating. Absolutely. Well, and I I think and you know we're we're in an era right now where people the digital is so effective that you you see so much of it that um i think pe people find puppets creepy you know <laughs> now yeah to a certain degree and, and especially like the younger generations now they kind of they they don't see the charm in it as much as we did when we were kids now i have to ask you this um having been a puppeteer for a while i most of what i know comes out of the east coast and the sesame street tradition oh and the sure. henson stuff yeah and they famously call 
the West Coast puppeteers a bunch of cable pullers. <laughs> right. Be- just simply because of the form factor. Because East Coast, yeah. they work with foam and felt. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood works in latex steel and yes. cable remotes and now servo motors and things like that. Right. So do you – and this is this comes from your comment that you know some kids are jaded by puppetry and think it's creepy. Do you see uh, – do you think that's a difference simply because West Coast, East Coast? I don't know. That is a good question. I mean, yeah, we, we certainly – a very realistic um, puppet. You know, I, I think it has a lot to do with um, just the um, – Oh boy, you know I'm I'm sorry, but I'm gonna I'm gonna blank on this for a second. There is that divide um, that they talk about between um, a human being and a robot, and there's there's a certain um, there's a certain gap where it's like the closer a robot or a puppet gets to looking like a human, without actually quite being acceptable, <laughs> the creepier it gets. You know, there's there's something in our collective consciousness that says you know someone acting like a human but not quite human um is to be feared and i don't know where that comes from exactly but um that's an interesting because it feels right to me because most of my experience with puppet is you know fuzzy monsters and right you know stuff that's nowhere near realism. Right, right. And the farther you get away in, in that cute area, it's okay. And that doesn't that doesn't bother right. people per se. Yeah. Um, but it's um But that makes sense that you know the more human Yeah, so ventriloquist dummies, yeah. Yeah. Um there are certain animatronics. Artists, yeah. There are certain marionette artists whose puppets are hyper realistic. Right. And they they spend their careers trying to make them look hyper-realistic and they're off-putting. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's a, it's an experiment that I've been thinking about going back to um, before we did our, uh, there's one season of space hospital that's just animated and uh, we did it in a, in a very sort of simple cookie cutter, Hanna-Barbera kind of style that was, right. you know, maybe, I don't know, harkens back to, something more like um, Johnny okay. Quest or something. I was going to say, because I saw a couple clips of your cast being animated, performing like the Archies in the musical yes, montage kind right, of thing. Yes, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's lovely. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, it was so much fun. Um, but, you know, one of the early tests, I had taken some uh, much more sort of photorealistic drawings that um, that our artists had done uh, – Brett Snodgrass is the person who did the all the character design for the um, the uh, cartoons, by the way. And he had done these sort of more like posters, these posters of more photorealistic versions of the cast. And I took those and in the same way, I kind of cut them up and animated them. And that, the effect was it was sort of creepy, you know. Interesting. And uh, because it's yeah, you have, you you really want to pull back, and if you look at a lot of cartoons right now, I mean, especially something like The Simpsons, or um, Bob's Burgers, or any of the popular shows, it's like they look nothing like human oh, right. beings. There's something about that element that, and um, even something like Archer, which you know, is at least they're more realistic drawings in a sense. It's they're, closer to yeah. Correct yeah. anatomy. It is. It is. But it's still they're they're voiding like this. You know, any kind of very heavy skin shading. It's all this still right. very, yeah. So yeah, I don't I, know. I've I've been interested in going back to that and and seeing like just how weird you can make it. I've been doing a lot of animating. During how the, uncomfortable um, can you make your audience? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's at a certain point, it's like. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to sell this show and I don't know how important it is to me to sell the show. I mean, I'm sure it'd be great to make money off of it, but at the same time, it, it is my art. And so to be able to have the freedom to do what I want and to not have to go to anyone and ask for permission to do it or run it by an audience first and see how right. they respond and take notes 
it puts it in kind of a whole different light for me where I still, you know, even after all this time, I can still just experiment. And um, we, we had a, we had a pitch for the show really early on. I think we were only like in our first season or something like that. And I just remember it would have been great to sell the show at that time if we could have, but, uh, but I remember in the back of my mind, just going like it, the show's not ready and I don't, I'm not ready to let go of it and let it become some sort of corporate interest, you know, that I don't have right. control of anymore. Cause that's, that was my fear of what it, you know, what it would become. Uh, at a certain point, and I think I've always been kind of reluctant that way to take it out and show it to people because it's so personal, you know. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, two comments, uh, two questions. Uh, I mean, you still work on it on occasion. It's not maybe not as in full production as it used to be. No, yeah, but I, I, you, I've, I've taken some time off from it recently. Yes, but do you still consider it film school? Do you still consider it that place to go and learn and experiment and tinker? It is. Yeah, it has been a little bit for me. I've been um, uh, I've been experimenting a little bit with, you know, they have all of these apps now that where you can just show your face and they'll animate your face for you and do different things, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been tinkering with that a little bit. And I have, uh, the, uh, there's a thing that I'm working on right now, an episode that I'm working on that's um, going to be – 100% animation. Um, uh, and it, it involves Lenny, the lovable robot, who's a puppet. So it's a, it's an animation of a puppet. <laughs> um, and um, which sounds so, redundant. But. <laughs> it seems weird, right? But it's fun. It's, you know, and he's very easy to animate because it's pretty much just mouth open or closed and, you know, head turns. <laughs> but um uh, you know, it takes place. Um, he's having, a, I don't know, some sort of, um, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, it's not like anyone's going to see it. <laughs> oh, I'll make sure they see it. <laughs> our, viewer, our viewership is not that high, but yeah, no, I, I would love for people to see it. It's uh, he, he's living in sort of a Jetsons world. So it starts off as a kind of Jetsons um, ep, uh, cartoon. And um, he's very clearly in that world. And, uh, and then it sort of it degrades into and goes into these other areas where it becomes a sort of a Muppet Babies parody at one point and uh, some other things, um, some other different styles of animation. And so, uh, yeah, so for a, lo- a lot of this, I've been experimenting with and just using these apps just off the shelf. You know, this is not expensive equipment at all. It's just right. it's literally just my phone and sending videos from my phone to my computer and dropping it in, you know, dropping these animations in that I'm doing. And so, yeah, it continues. I'm, it's funny. I'm probably way behind the curve as far as what can be done with all of this technology, but I, you know, I don't mind running behind and catching up and, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, it sounds very familiar. It feels very, what you're saying feels very familiar. You know, because I'm, because uh, with the puppetry that I used to do, I wound up, uh, I build props mm-hmm. and weird stuff for other people for other shows, um, not necessarily puppets, but just you know those weird things that you can't buy off the shelf or make right. yourself. But there's always new materials. Yes, you know, and there's right. you know this the wonderful world of cosplay right now and EVA foam and warbler, certainly, yeah, and thermoplast. You know, like uh, I'd heard of them, right. But I, you know, I'm this week. I have to go out and buy my first roll of Warbler and play with it because somebody commissioned me to build a mask, right? Yeah. You know, so I'm okay. Let's go. But it's that same kind of feel where it's there's always something new to learn, and it's there is. I yeah, think you're part always of that, learning. Your and yeah, and once you start to feel f- familiar and comfortable where you are, it gives you that opportunity then to try something new and to just always keep yeah growing. But, but I think part of it too is part of my energy comes from finding new and better ways and yeah. looking for the, you know, part of my energy and part of my drive is, and I don't know if you can feel, I don't know if you'd feel the same way, but you know, that's part of the whole experience is. No, absolutely. You know, it really is for me. Yeah. And it's, and even just this show now that I've taken it to where it is. And I think it's already something that on some levels is maybe too esoteric for the, for a lot of people, I don't want to say for the general public because I don't know how it would do if it was really 
genuinely viewed by a lot more people. You know, I don't have the kind of money that you would need to promote it on that level. But, um, you know, at the same time, you know, like I said, it's always been this sort of deeply personal thing for me where I just take it in whatever direction I'm interested in. And that interest comes from, yeah, just learning what this new thing is, this new area is. And, um, and, you know, early on with my creative partner, um, that was a little bit trickier. There was an awful lot more collaboration of everyone kind of deciding together what we were going to do for those first couple of seasons. But, you know, as time went on, I got more and more freedom and also just more and more responsibility where, you know, my editor was sort of like, well, I, I don't want to edit any more of these. And why don't you edit them? And, you know. And so I, I just I had to learn a lot of things just out of necessity, like, sure. um, like After Effects, the program After Effects I use really heavily for the for the effects and. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, you also made a comment about, and you've made it several times actually, not wanting to sell this. It's um, <clears throat> you know I'm really it's like. T- there's you this, want there's to, this you subconscious, don't. yeah. There's this subconscious part of me that feels like it's too personal. I have a hard time going out and telling somebody this is something you want to watch, because I'm really thinking to myself, this is something I want to watch. I literally <laughs> created a show that I enjoy but, watching. But isn't that the sign of a good director, though? I, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> I what I've been told, I don't know. <laughs> I can't say for sure, but I would like to think so. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a matter of, um, you know, finding the audience. And we have some very devoted fans who, you know, who I'm sure would love to see more. I, I haven't put out an episode since last year. Um, and last year there were still, there were a couple of episodes that were still just in the can that we had shot. And I still needed to finish because, uh, uh, well, you know, my second son came along and he's about to turn seven now, but back when he was three, four years old, um, he was diagnosed with autism. And that became a situation where I had to kind of slow down on my art a little bit and just put a lot more um, sure. uh, you're, you're of my time sure. and focus yeah, in, yeah. Into, into that. Um, but, you know, as he continues to do well in school and... Um, and as he grows, I'm getting a little bit more space to be able to go back to my art. And so now I'm really trying to figure out what this next iteration of the show is going to be, whether it's going to continue to just be the same thing or if if it can become something else now, you know, because I, I, I have that freedom. Right. Now, I'm curious to know. Um, I, I reference I read a book I don't know, a few years ago and somebody had done their dissertation about uh, Jim Henson's art. Yeah, and this person came to the conclusion that Jim Henson was very good at creating two types of artwork, one for himself and one to sell. Right, right. So he was very good at that. So um, his early days in his college doing his stuff for his local television station was for himself, just to be fun Mm -hmm. and experiment. Uh, But then he was asked to build something for Sesame Street, which he didn't want to sell because, again, like yourself, right. uh, it was new and wonderful and very near and dear to his heart. But then after that, he realized that and, – and after he – I forget the timeline on it. But eventually, um, the Sesame Street Workshop asked if they could license the characters because they were having trouble raising money and – Henson hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed and like, do right. I, do I, do I, do I not, do I do it? He eventually said yes, but he wanted full. Anyway, long story short, um, he, he got to the point now where he did things like the Muppet show for money. Right. He did certain things for Sesame street workshop for money. He did commercials for money, Right. but that money let him do his crazy weird films. Right. Like labyrinth and, Dark Crystal. Uh, yeah, those. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you – and I – this long, obnoxious uh, explanation. Is this – is Space Hospital strictly for you, for love? Um, and is there something else down the pipeline maybe for money? 
Um, this- that's a that's a good question. I mean, um, you know, learning all the skills that I did in in uh, After Effects and um, Premiere Pro, and I mean, I'm just I'm naming a bunch of Adobe products right now, but. Um, you know, having had that experience really made it possible for me to make money in other ways. So the editing that I'm doing right now is for um, real hospitals. There's a chain of dignity hospitals here in uh, Southern California that a friend of mine who uh, who actually was the original Dr. Good in the uh, the first season of first and second season of Space Hospital, he, um, you know, he had to take um, a break from acting to raise his kids. Um, He was a little ahead of me in that curve. And that's part of why he left the show. But, you know, in that time, too, he developed as a photographer. He did. He became a headshot photographer. And now he's he's shooting a lot of video. And he goes out and he shoots videos uh, like these internal videos for these hospitals. He also does some political work. And I do the editing for him. And so in a, in a sense, it did become a film school because I, again, you know, I learned the, uh, the skills necessary to make money working in video. And that's been, especially during the, uh, the pandemic, that it was a really big help because I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere and, and build anything, you know, um, which is my other, the other thing that I do is carpentry, um, so, and there were, most productions were shut down. There was very little work out there, but um, these hospitals needed to do these internal videos, because, especially because so many people staying home and they couldn't have big gatherings where they would, you right. know, or big meetings. And so they wanted to get a lot of information across through video. And so that really started to become a big, uh, uh, I don't want to say an industry, but it, you know, he started getting a lot of work out of it and I started getting a lot of work editing for him. And so it was a real lifesaver for me. We, we needed that extra money for sure, just getting through the pandemic. And uh, so that's been my last couple of years too. And um, I mean, I feel like this, just this, these last two years have really, there's, there's like a, uh, it, it's an era. It's a very short era where things changed like tremendously. Sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um and that's that's part of why I'm really still just kind of left reeling, trying to figure out what it is, you know, what Space Hospital was before and what it has been since it, or what it potentially could be now. Um, I feel like there's a separation there and times have changed and it's, you know, I'm not necessarily interested in doing exactly the same show. Um, and, I, and even as far as selling it, I you know, it is very... Um, it's very much a part of that sort of early, uh, you know, the, that era is very 60s, 70s, maybe early 80s in terms of kitsch and um, mm. nostalgia and themes. And, um, you know, with younger generations, I don't know that they even connect to that kind of stuff. So it's like whether whether or not the show would have any legs in a larger audience, I don't I don't know. I, I guess I'm suspicious that it wouldn't. Um, but, uh, cause I get it. I mean, I watch it and I see, oh, that's, I think, I think I see every reference. <laughs> yeah, I think attempted. so. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of people our age do. And, and that's, again, it was, it was for me, it was for me and Sig. It was just, it was our humor. It was what we mm-hmm. wanted to do. And, uh, when we started at 10, 15 years ago, there was still plenty of people who sort of got it, but I think you're, you sort of, uh, we're seeing a big shift in um yeah you know uh they they want to make television for uh, 13 to 30 year olds especially and um i don't i don't know that what i'm doing necessarily right. you know appeals to that and not being in that demographic i think yeah it's it's hard to even understand yeah my learning curve is really slow on that one yeah as well but you know at the same time space hospital did definitely i was I was inspired by the internet um, and I love memes and I love that kind of self retro uh, referential humor and, uh, and meta humor. And mm-hmm. I feel like all that stuff is still pretty, it's pretty big. It's a pretty big part of this culture. So I think communicating like that in that, like you said, that meta and that 
um, that postmodern kind of way. Yeah. I think is very much part of our. Well, and I, I think after the Trump era, it's, it's almost a sort of um, post ironic um, era, <laughs> which is, I mean, <sighs> and, and I've, I've felt that way for a while. It's sort of, you know, things that w- were considered sort of funny uh, prior to that, I feel like are not as funny anymore because you really have so many people kind of going off the deep end, like the farther the divide in our country becomes, the more you have people, just absolute science deniers. Right. You know, the, yeah. The, the more ludicrous. The co- yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, how can you, it's hard. It's, it's, <laughs> it's almost hard to be funny <laughs> in, in that kind of environment because it's, there's, you know, you're worried somebody out there is going to take you seriously, you know, you know, yeah. it, it's not exactly that, but it's, it's, it's sort of that. It's it's that kind of uncertainty, right? When so many of the conversations are so ludicrous, yeah, to yeah. somebody's ears, and so absolutely hardcore for real in somebody else's ears, yeah, right. And I, you know, like all the all the male characters of Space Hospital, so pompous and speaking such gobbledygook, and all this sort of like double speak, management speak, and stuff like that. It it yeah. suddenly suddenly it became. Uh, not as funny uh, during the Trump era. And certainly a lot of the sort of sexual humor, you know, which was all absolutely in good fun, suddenly did not seem appropriate anymore to me. I was good. I was just going to ask you that after this conversation, because one of your characters is the kind of Spock esque alien Mm -hmm. with, with the, with the head. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The head cat. I can't think of the name of it. He has an alien um, symbiote that's sort of attached to his head. And yeah, he he shares – it really sort of takes over the personality. So Omicron is the alien that he wears on his head. Yeah, Yeah, but the character is just hornier than all get out. (laughs) Yeah. At least in the few episodes that I watched. A lot of the characters are. You know, I – it's funny. He stands I like to, out, though. <laughs> I like to think of it as sort of sex positive because I, to me, well, you know, a, a lot of it had to do with um, the original series and and that era. But like, you know, the sixties and seventies television was very sex positive, and there was an awful lot. Of, you know, there was that's there was true. A lo- there was a love boat, and there was you know Captain was, Kirk and yeah, Captain Kirk. You know, having sex with all of the alien women, and you know, I I, I think that. That was part of what I, you know, I'm always, I was trying to convey and, you know, and also just, yeah, being a kid in that era and having things around like Playboy magazine or, you know, all this, um, I don't want to say fetishy, but it, yeah, it's, it's the, un, you know, the, the elaborate underwear that women wore. It's hard to look back on that now as anything but sort of fetishy. It was all this sort of <laughs> scaffolding to hold your body into particular, you know, uh, right. And I think of, uh, positions. like you said, television, like three's company where yes, yeah. half of it was sexual innuendo. Yeah. And yeah. And so the, it, uh, the norms were very different. And so, yeah, a lot of the humor comes from sexual innuendo, but again, you know, then as, as the era kind of changed and got, um, you know, and, and prior to um, prior, well, not not pri- really. It was just during the Trump era and the Me Too era, and I really had to take a hard look at myself and the humor that I was producing too, and try to, you know, is it being, um, is it being dismissive towards um, sexual impropriety? You know, is it, um, you know, am, am I? Is, is this humor, is it really funny or is there something about it that seems misogynistic? These, you know, I had to really, right. really, like, I really had to put the brakes on at that point. And it had a lot to do with just the way that the um, uh, society was reacting, I think, to some of the revelations that were going on. Yeah, that's an interesting comment. I mean, my daughters, I have two daughters and they're in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. And they are very much a product of the last 20 years, the mm-hmm. last 10 years, and how they view that kind of humor right. is uh, very different 
and they do they they represent what you're talking about in the sense that uh, a lot of people are looking at that old school sexual humor as not humor, right? Well, uh, even to have a show at this point where the um, s- s- not all the main characters, but some of the main characters are just white men, which to me was always that was kind of the joke. To me, I was, I was making fun of that culture, but again, it's a somewhat post-ironic era that we're right. living in where it's like it, it's not enough to just pre, pre, you know portray somebody like that as a buffoon because that's still kind of fun in a way you know <laughs> you know it's, you could portray Trump as a buffoon and people could still also be like oh but he's all right isn't he or Archie Bunker or you know they they uh, Stephen Colbert even when he had that show the um, Colbert Report and he played that character who was is very very um, conservative that re- yeah that Republican talking head right. character yeah but at this and so at, on one hand you have you have uh, liberals going like oh isn't he ridiculous it's so funny that people could think that way but on the other hand you still have ultra conservatives who are able to say. Well, it's kind of funny because it's true, though, isn't it? It's it, you're really <laughs> right. <laughs> so you might think that you're making a statement, but are you really? Or you know, um, and I don't know if Stephen Colbert felt like he was making a valuable statement or not, but <laughs> I, I assume that he did. I assume that to him it was just all about making fun of that that mode of thinking, that ultra ultra you know conservative mode, right? But. Um, yeah, but I, I, you, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, it, it's it's a new world. It is. It is. And it, it's it's a different, you know, it's a different way to navigate. But I, I have been thinking about moving more into animation. I, I think Space Hospital may become a fully animated show. And that, that you, might give me a little bit more control in terms of just making sure that I'm hitting all the, the right notes. And, um, you know, because I do want right. to avoid offending people. Honestly, just during the, in this era where it's, people are so easily offended, I right. there's part of me that wants to kind of embrace that and say, well, let's see if we can work within those parameters, you know. Right. Um, do you think taking Space Hospital to an animated version and taking it farther away from the humanity mm-hmm. will make it easier to make it? To certainly. make your point or to- certainly, yeah, I think so because then I think it becomes more absurd automatically, and that is something that you know Americans, you meet, you'll meet plenty of Americans who love Monty Python, and who love um, I don't know Red Dwarf or Doctor Who, but the majority of Americans I think don't necessarily get those realms. Right. You know, it's so much easier in. Great Britain, for whatever reason, they have they understand that absurd, the absurd way of right. approaching uh, those things in li- in live action. In America, I think you make it animated, and then it it aut- automatically it, it takes away that. Um, it gives you permission to laugh at it, regardless exactly, of what it is. Exactly, it's interesting. It, it almost feels like America has to be so absurd. Yeah before we'll take it as absurd. Right, right. And maybe I'm generalizing, maybe I'm reading into something, but... Um, well, I'm remembering the reference that I was talking about before, you know, of real versus unreal. Um, and it's called Uncanny Valley. Um, oh. I'm sure you've heard of this. But I've heard it, of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, it is this, if, if you're seeing it in a graph, it is basically, it, it goes up and up and up and up towards more realistic and then you hit this huge dip where if you get too realistic without reaching the appearance of human it becomes creepy as heck you know <laughs> yeah and um that's the uncanny valley and in a sense i think there's a kind of uncanny valley that happens between animation and live action too where you know we're willing to accept things in animation that we don't necessarily want to see in uh, in live action, I, I would vote puppetry too. I can get away with stuff, right, right, with puppets that would not, <laughs> right. Just, you know, if I did it for real, like, huh? I just wouldn't, <laughs> for lots of reasons, it just right. wouldn't work. Yeah, 
Okay, last few questions here. We're gonna uh, keep going. Um, sure, sure. What about your art turned you on? Oh man, uh, a good day. I wake up with ideas, and it once makes me want to get up out of bed. <laughs> If I don't wake up with a lot of great ideas, sometimes I don't want to get out of bed and I have to drag myself out, you know, but there, um, I, I don't know. Like I, I think, uh, sometimes I, I dream about it. Like just ideas will pop into my head in the morning. And I, I suppose the thing about space hospital, especially is that it's, um, you know, the idea of outer space, which if we're looking at it sort of realistically and logically is a really sort of cold, dark, boring, slow reality in a sense. We, we, you know, there is, we don't know if there's other life out there, but we certainly aren't going to find it anytime soon. Right. You know, um, the reality of something like the international space station, you know, and muscle atrophy <laughs> and not <laughs> breathing stale air and all those sort of things are, um, <clears throat> I think are not actually all that fun, but to me, um, that metaphor of outer space exploration is really, it's more about inner space exploration. It's really more about just exploring, um, exploring the human condition and exploring our human understanding of the world. And I think it's that it's, it's not just the one, it's sort of the two things that really turn me on. Um, the idea that, um, that there's a, there's a mirror there. Um, and that, you know, traveling into outer space, especially in a show, you know, in a lot of those sixties shows was really about traveling into inner space because you had a, you had an era of psychedelics, you know, for example, um, of people, you know, trying to f go inward to kind of figure out um, why we're all here and what this all is and what it all means, but to discover themselves more and that kind of thing. And, um, and that's a big vague thing. It's, it's not like it's specific, but it, that's one of the things that really turns me on about space hospital is that kind of realm. Oh, that's a brilliant answer. Oh, thank you. Um, anything about it turn you off? Um, sitting at a computer for hours and hours <laughs> animating is tough. And one of the things I liked about live action um, when I was doing that more was getting out, seeing friends because, you know, and the, the right. collaboration, going places, building things with my hands, shopping for costumes. This is, this is, again, this is all stuff that turned me on, but what turns me off about it is then sitting in hours and hours, editing hours and hours, An animating job. effects, that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it does get tedious and my butt gets big. <laughs> <laughs> One of my, yeah, my oldest is a, a sound engineer oh, and yeah. it's a lonely job editing sound. Absolutely. Yes. She hates, I mean, she hates the hours of loneliness, but she loves the work. Anyway, that's another podcast. Um, oh, certainly. Uh, are you, are you going to interview her? Cause that sounds wonderful. She's on. Yeah. Uh, if I can catch her, <laughs> you know, it's, she'll pencil you in, see if she's, yeah, got time we live in the you. same house, but you know, <laughs> it's easier to talk to you than to her. Some days. <laughs> I've got a 14 year old. I know exactly what you mean. Very similar. <laughs> Um, is there another art form that you have never attempted or dabbled in that you would like to? Oh my goodness. Um, <clears throat> these are my actor studios questions. I think I wish I could dance, but I, I, I really don't want to learn to dance. I just, I just sort of wish that I could. And, um, I don't even know if that's a completely honest answer, but it just, to me, it's, it seems like the farthest away from everything that I do, <laughs> that it's sort of something expressive with my body. Cause I'm such an awkward person and I've never been able to, you know, I, I, when I've had to learn dance steps, you know, back when I was doing musicals and things like that, it's, I would learn the step and then I would slowly forget it. The more I did it, instead of getting better, I would get worse. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish, I guess I wish I could dance. I don't know. 
That's funny. <laughs> Any art form you know you would never want to try? Oh, boy. Um, I feel like I've tried most of them, honestly. I mean, I, I've painted and I draw and I sculpt and I... I, yeah, I've, I've done so many different mediums and. And you even, don't have to come up with an answer if you yeah, don't have one yet. I don't think I have one. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I don't think, I, I, I feel like there isn't anything. Again, it would be dance. So I, yeah, dance is going to be my answer for both of those, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know, but I ain't going for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, absolute last question. Okay. Uh, where can we see some of your art? Well, um, most of my art is in the form of Space Hospital, which you can find just by doing a very simple um, search on YouTube for Space Hospital, or sometimes even just in Google, it'll come up, although it might not be the absolute first uh, thing to come up. Uh, but here, let me, I'm looking at my screen right now. Well, if I find the, the links, uh, can I put them in the descriptors? Oh, you certainly can. Yeah, let's let's do that. I've, I've got a direct link to my page on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, just send me that, and I'll put it in the. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. And that would be where most of it is. I would like to um, put out some sort of a portfolio or something at some point of other things I've done, set construction and props that I've made for other shows. Um, but I really—that's one of those projects that it just keeps getting pushed back. I haven't done. Right. Um, but really, I mean, Space Hospital is my—that's my—that's my love. Um. That's my main art, and it really encompasses. You know, I did the sets for it. I did the costumes. I did. Um, I did a lot of the writing. Did most of the writing. I did um, a, a lot of the directing, and uh, yeah, sculpting, puppeting. You know, building props. Just every everything that I love, I, I was able to do on that show. So it's all and there. Yeah, and I like I said, I've, I haven't seen all of it, but what I have seen is just, it's marvelous. And I can see how you, it's so near and dear to your heart. Well, thank you very much it, for it, saying that. It's it's wonderful to get that kind of feedback because it is, um, it is a labor of love. And like I said, I cast so many friends in it too that um, it's become a kind of time capsule where I can go back and, and look right. at, you know look at these different eras even, you know, over the last uh, 15 years. And um, that's, that's marvelous. And, and see the show grow and see my friends grow and think like, Oh, this is before Adriana had a kid, you know, <laughs> <There's>, right. uh, <laughs> um, two oh. the two actor uh, actresses. Well, you should, you're supposed to say actor now, but um, Adriana Rose and uh, the woman uh, who plays, uh, who plays nurse, uh, Ratney, and then the woman who plays Barbara Arbra, um, they both were pregnant during the filming of the show. So you actually get to see them. Some of the time they've got pads on, but some of the time, some of the episodes, they are literally just pregnant. Just <laughs> so, <laughs> so did you write it into the show or are they just showing um, up there? Yeah. In one case, I think I wrote it into the show. Nurse Ratney was, was always supposed to be pregnant from the beginning. We, for whatever reason, she was pregnant in like the second episode and we just decided to make that her thing. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just, so she would just always be pregnant. And That's um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, then, yes, uh, Barbara Arbra was, um, um, the actress got uh, pregnant during the filming and we, yeah, we just wrote it into the show so that she could, she could be on it. And it became a rivalry between her and nurse Ratney because that's Ratney's thing. And oh, uh, even better. <clears throat> so many of the episodes are really just written around who was available at the time, what, anything that they wanted to do. You know, we really just tried to keep it fun for everybody and um, you know, where we were shooting things like that. And so, and I think the show's a little uneven, you know, the trickiest thing about it was that to have a successful web series, they were suggesting that you'd be putting stuff out like weekly. And, um, I think the closest we ever got to that was maybe putting out one episode a month, maybe. Right. 
And that was that was a tremendous amount of work, even just for a 10-minute episode because of the yeah, na- but, nature of the show. But you see the work, and I can see, yeah. I mean, unless you've got a studio where everything can stay set up. Right, and, yeah, which we didn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you've got sets, you've got sets, you've got hidden puppeteers. Yeah. you got fun effects. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Was, How you got one a month out is beyond me. Because they're fun, and they're, like I said, they're great production value and a lot of fun thanks so much for saying that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i love it i really do i wish i'd <laughs> wish i'd known about it sooner yeah I'm, I'm gonna I, show, well, I'm gonna like show said, my daughters i'm really bad about getting the word out but um you know i i probably need to be getting the word out more now especially since we're in a bit of a lull right now it's probably a good time to be by uh doing a little bit more um uh, advertising i guess or promotion i should say well, I will do my best from my end. Wonderful. Thank you. On the show here. Um, yeah, I'm going to, we are a little over an hour, so I am going to say thank you very much for yeah. spending your morning with me. This is, uh, first of all, it's lovely to get to talk to you again. Yeah, it's it's great to see you again, Mike. I um, It's been so long. Thanks for hanging around and geeking out with us. If you enjoyed the show, hit the like and subscribe buttons. And more importantly, join the conversation and leave us a message or comment. We'd love to hear about your nerdy art. Thanks again, and join us next week for more Art Nerds.